Hello and welcome to yet another edition of Off the Wagon Thunder Talk, presented by the Schooner Pod. I'm your host, Bobby Howard. Speaking of the Schooner Pod, we have a bit of a bit of, bit of a little reunion here. It's just me and Jameson today. Jameson, uh, it's been a while. It's nice to have you back. Let's let's talk some Thunder basketball. Yeah, we've got a whole lot to talk about. Yeah, Ford, Ford's off in New York, so it's it's uh it's the classic duo. So let's let's do it. We've we've been been out a while. Lots happened. I think the most notable thing has to be this uh, Thunder losing streak that 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 uh, we went on a bit earlier. Uh, didn't really have a chance to talk about it. Uh, since then, they've kind of broken out of it a little bit. But in general, uh, what what was what was kind of your thoughts about what's happened since there? Um, especially the slide we've had standings. Um, I don't know. And, and more than anything, do you think we've recovered play-wise since then? Yeah, I, I feel like it's it just shows you how important a Paul George is in the system and a healthy Paul George of that. Uh, he finally got his kinetic tape off of his shoulder last game. And while he still doesn't have his shooting stroke, it still looked like he was playing some good defense. And he had a span, I think he had like three steals in the span of like almost like a couple minutes last night. And that's where you know that his defense is on there. His shooting stroke is going to come whenever you see the ball go in over and over. Players are streaky. That's how it's always going to be. People you see who do bad the game before are more likely to do bad the next game just because it's just a whole mental thing. Paul George is going to get in his groove. I'm not too sold on the rotator cuff tear rumor. I'll get into that later and why I think that. But all in all, let's not overreact to what's happened. We had the hardest schedule coming out of the All-Star break out of any team in the NBA. And we just went on a road trip, and we went even. We went 500 out of that versus teams, the Jazz, the Nuggets. Uh, I mean, those. that's a quality span for me. I am very happy with that, and we are in shooting distance of Houston in the three. Exactly. And I think this this run the Rockets have been on, I don't know if they can keep – I don't think they can keep this clip up. Just a great run. I mean, obviously, when you talk about their schedule, uh, I believe they're, what, 22nd in uh, – 22nd in the league in terms of strength of schedule. So they, they have a bit of an easier run than the Thunder do. But just in general, I, I feel like they're going to probably start running out of steam just a little bit. And they're, they're what, on a nine-game win streak right now? Yes. Yeah. So this this jump, I think, was unexpected. Um, they're, 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 I mean, just naturally, they're probably going to start losing just a little bit. The Thunder just, I don't know, I'm a little worried. A little worried with how difficult the uh, schedule is going to be. You know, if you if you look at it, you know you, you got you got Toronto twice. Still got another tilt with Milwaukee at the end of the season. Uh, still still have Denver, Houston, Golden State again. It's just it's it, it's unrelenting, and um, it's it's kind of the bat. It's not a great time to have a bit of a bit of a slump. Um, I I really I will say this. I think we played very well in tight games. Uh, one of the things Ford brought, has brought up in the past is, you know, oh, the, I don't really know if the Thunder are very good in tight games. They've been pro- they've been showing out. Um, look at the end of that Portland game a couple days ago. Look at the Utah game yesterday, maintaining that lead and you know keeping it strong, even though uh, you, Utah would have runs, staying composed and keeping it together. This is you see a lot of things that make you kind of encouraged about this team as a playoff team going forward. This kind of kind of grit, staying in games. It's something that um, really kind of shows that this is a bit of a veteran team. Yeah, uh, the most thing whenever we talk 
about grit in these close games. It's not really uh, the way be clutch making big time shots at the end is what I'm really kind of keying on to why we might be more successful than we thought about a couple weeks ago in the playoffs. It's the defense. The Jazz game last night, that was a great defense. That's the identity that we wanted to have for this whole season. Steven Adams was rotating better. It looked He looked a little bit more healthy, even though, in my opinion, there's probably still some nagging little issues, bruises here and there. Um, Paul George was back in his form, kind of. He was stealing balls, like I said earlier. Ferguson, man, I, I can't tell you how much I appreciate that man, how much he runs all over the court. There is there is a span where he got zonked in the head, and then he fell down on the sideline, and he still was running all over the court over Don, Donovan Mitchell. It's That man puts in so much effort on defense, and that's something we've needed for so long. And whenever you hold a team like the Utah Jazz to 89 points, and you only score 98 yourself, and you still win handily, that's that's a very good game. That was a playoff-style atmosphere, 1,000%. And if we continue this defensive identity and keep this kind of chip on our shoulder going into playoffs, that's going to be key for us. And I, especially these next two games versus Brooklyn and Indiana might be kind of hard, Bobby, but mm-hmm. I feel like you'll still kind of see that defensive grit coming up here with the Warriors game and then the Raptors. Exactly. And honestly, I the, the game I'm least – worried about is that Raptors home game because the king of grit's going to be in the building Nick oh, yeah. Collison night yes he is and oh what, the king of who uh KD's going to be there oh yeah that's a good point I, I forget I forget Durant uh, is going to be back in time he's but I don't know uh, I think I think there's going to be some energy going for that I I just I think there's no way in hell we lose that game and against Toronto and Oklahoma City I just there's just going to be so much energy it's going to be I mean, it's gonna it's gonna be intense. I, We're gonna come out on fire. There's no doubt about it. Oh yeah, no, it's it's that's gonna be. I think that's gonna be one of the more fun regular season games we've ever had in Oklahoma City. Honestly, yeah, it is gonna be kind of a heartwarming moment for all the people who've been watching the past eleven years. I feel like that ceremony is just gonna send chills through everybody. Because I mean, yeah, Nick Carlson might not have been the best contributor for us, but. He's just the most respectable guy that you I've ever watched, just not even being biased in the NBA. The guy who gets there and sets the screens really hard and sets, like, per, definitely per minute led the league in charges. And it, that's just the kind of guy that he does the stuff that nobody else wants to do in the sense of respect from him. He doesn't have all the athleticism and skill that other people has, but he tries hard. And that's a that's the kind of guy that people can relate to. And that's why he was always kind of the favorite every single time he went in. Yeah, for sure. And I, I mean, I mean, you and I kind of remember those early days of OU basketball in the Kelvin era. It takes a lot to uh, get, get a bunch of those old school OU, OU and OSU basketball fans to fall in love with the Jayhawk who continually torched both of those teams. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Him in the Kirk Heinrich era. It was, ugh, that was never a fun Kansas team to play against. Um, Kirk Heinrich. <laughs> Captain Kirk? I, I think I think they uh, retired his jersey at uh Derpy at, at... glasses that he ended up wearing in Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about that. Oh man. But, yeah. He he he's an all time kind of like backup, kind of you know, not like, like third a Luke tier Ridden. point guard. Like a who? Luke Ridnauer. Oh, I hated Luke Grit. I hated Luke Rennauer in my time as a as a Sonics fan. You know, back, you know, back when the team first kind of started, you know, got bought by the Oklahoma City guys. You know, and I don't know. I, I I pivoted over to the Sonics, 
uh, on all my NBA Live and all my NBA 2K, you know, performances and was continuously beaten down by Yao Ming Rockets, you know, people playing with the Yao Ming Rockets or the Spurs or the Mavericks. But you know what? I stuck out. I stuck it out with Luke Rindauer. Every time I'd start a franchise, he's the first person I would trade. I just really did not like Luke Rindauer at all. Yeah, he's the prototype NBA live NBA 2K horrible point guard you don't want to have. Exactly. I would I would flip on the trade override and send him or send him to San Antonio for Tony Parker. Oh God. Actually, no, no, no. It was, I played for some reason had the Nintendo DS version, and I guess they didn't have trade override, so I just I, I sent I sent him like a like Luke Rittenauer and a number one for Tony Parker. It's or awful. you could put in Earl Watson. I think he was on the team rack then, right? Oh God, he was even worse. <laughs> all right. All right. Earl Watson, Chris Wilcox. Was God. it Rashad Lewis and Ray Allen on that team? Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. So Rashad Lewis and Ray Allen were on the team, like, right before. They're the team before the team, the last Seattle team. Uh, Presti traded. I think Presti traded both of them. Uh, yeah. And, uh, you know, after we got Durant. So for a while, I was, we, had, we had Wally Zerbiak and, um, and Delonte West. <laughs> Gosh. Delonte, <laughs> Delonte uh, West James, I guess. I don't know. Well, <laughs> oh, thank but. God we don't have those type of teams anymore because we've had 10 straight seasons of 500 or better as a Thunder. We're extremely blessed, and the Nick Halston ceremony just kind of is a reflection of just how blessed we have been as Thunder fans the past 10 years. Oh, yeah. I mean, considering we just celebrated our 10th year anniversary, it's. I mean, that's hard to believe. It's been a been a been a pretty cool run honestly and we're really lucky to see a lot of really cool basketball and it's looking like it'll continue uh into the into the playoffs this year um yeah so so talking a little bit about last night's utah game okay what was up uh, i mean i don't know why i'm saying what was up everyone knows by now what happened uh this fan i guess was yelling some racial stuff at at russ and it, it you hate to see Westbrook's reaction, but honestly, like it's hard to not side with Westbrook here. Oh yeah, I mean, it, if you had to pick a side, you got to pick Westbrook. But my kind of take on it is Westbrook obviously has some fault in this. He, I'm not gonna try. I'm not. Don't say, oh, he's taking the fan side. That's not what I'm doing. I'm just saying, whenever you're a kid and someone does really something bad to you in the playground. You're taught at a young age you don't do something back just because somebody did it to you. He has he, he should have found a security and said that this guy's being out of line and tell him what he said and get him that way. He shouldn't have been cussing him out and saying that he's going to beat up his wife. That took it too far on his end. And I, there's I don't think there's an excuse for saying that, and that's why he was fined, and that's why the NBA determined what he said was not warranted. But – and like an off the court, off a professional athlete, if this was just on the streets kind of thing, obviously, screw this guy. I'm all on Team Rustbook. But he is a celebrity. He is a guy that needs to be held to the highest standard. And he took it a little too far. If he got, if you'd have cussed him out, that's fine. But he went a little too far. But this guy in the stands is a complete tool bag. He should not have been saying um, what he was saying. And no matter what it was, even if he said, Whatever it was, Russell Westbrook's response to get him that heated means that you need to be out. Yeah, no, and I think the I, I think the Jazz made the right move there by you know banning him for life. You just 
I mean, let me put it this way. We, we, we've been to games. You don't do that. That's there. You understand that there's a line that, you know, you can't cross and you just, it's, it's awful. It's just absolutely, it's, it's kind of gross. And I don't understand what, what, what the deal is with Utah. They've been perennially bad at this. This isn't like a new thing. I really just don't know why they're so vicious. Cause you would think they'd be really nice and, you know, Mormon like, but no, they're just, they're just awful. Yeah, I, I just every single time I think of just Mormons, I think of one. If y'all saw the Mitt Romney blowing out his candles video today, where oh, he God. each candle off and blew it off, I thought that was hilarious. But then I always think of the South Park where it's like he went to find his book in his hat of dum da dum dum dum. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the the Joseph Smith episode. Yeah, everybody thought he was dum 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 dum. <laughs> I know that I have these uh, these golden plates, but only I can see them. <laughs> you can't look at them. Uh, <laughs> oh God, it's, just... it's like like it's like this is actually true. But I mean, uh, it's all in all, it's it's definitely horrible. But what makes what makes the situation even worse is there are people that went online to try to make this even more of a bigger deal and fake the Twitter accounts and fake the tweets, you know, to create more of a stir. Have you been paying attention to what John Ham's been doing? Yeah, I've, I've been seeing Ham kind of calling him out and doing some investigative stuff on it. And I agree that it is the worst because honestly, I'm one of, I was one of the people who kind of ate the trash on that and was, was kind of upset about it, especially like, and I, I shouldn't know it was too obvious, you know, especially the get out of our country hashtag MAGA tweet like yeah. that. That's clear. That clearly should have been bait. I I, I don't I don't know. It, it just it, it makes me upset. This situation is serious and something that we definitely need to be addressing and learning from. And people don't need to be going online and trying to exacerbate the situation or make it into something that it isn't. It's already bad. We need to address it for what it is. But whenever you make it into that, and it it throws in a political thing, that's social media and politics. I hate it so much. And whenever it gets turned like that, it, it makes this. It, that's what all we've heard on Twitter. This would have been a big deal, but this would have been a thing where we had at least heard some stuff about how good the Thunder played on defense last night and how good we played versus a team at Utah and swept them. We've heard none of that just because all of this investigative work, all of this fining, all of this banning. All of this, you said this, pointing fingers. It's it's honestly something that should have just been, hey, he's kicked out. Russell was that upset. You take Russell's word for it. You have witnesses. He's done. And then we pat move on past it. Exactly. Because you're, you're right. It really is erasing one of the best Thunder performances this season, without a doubt. Um, so let's, yeah, I think we should take our own advice. You know, I and I think we should, like, kind of pivot, you know, back – Back to how we played. And here's an interesting question. Which win do you think was a bit of a better win here? The Portland win or the Utah win over the past week? Uh, I'd, I'd probably say Utah because you, Portland were still on the middle of that road trip. But Utah, that fine, that's the final game that sets the tone coming back home. Uh, if you had just lost to the Clippers, then to the Jazz back-to-back, and then you come back home and you have to play, it's easy to fog to Brooklyn tomorrow night uh utah is a huge team that could be our future opponent in the playoffs and because they didn't they i think their their remaining strength schedule is the worst it's the absolute easiest in the league like by far 
Um, they play the Suns three times for the like for the rest of the year. It's <laughs> hey man, hey man. Phoenix is they're they're a dynamo. In the past week, they beat the Bucks and the Warriors. <laughs> yeah, well, there you go. Yeah, the teams that are just coasting right now. But I mean, it's it's definitely a tone setter, and I think just the way that we did win it, and how I said that we played really well defensively, and there's a lot of things that we weren't. I, I think it's because there's three things that was going bad during our kind of weird where we were losing games and we didn't look like the Thunder. One, we weren't playing defense well. That's been a thing more recently. We played good defense. Two, Dennis Schroeder had been horrible before that. Second half, Dennis Schroeder came back last night and made a yes. big impact. Probably the reason why we won the game. Because Paul, Paul George wasn't scoring the ball like we needed to. We needed another score. And then, and then three... Three from that is what I was saying earlier is Utah Jazz is in the future. We need to have good momentum coming in with them, and that will ride us. Yeah, I, I agree. I think I think kind of setting the tone with this Utah series. Um, I mean, expect, uh, the, the last one we had in Oklahoma City was good, but this was like, I, to, to kind of borrow from some of our college football lex- lexicon, this was like a complete win. It was very top to bottom uh defense looked good offense looked good it's it's something that if the if there was a playoff committee in 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 the nba they would i think look at this and be like oh that was very good front to back um portland i i i think you evaluate the portland game differently and how it was more like a survival you know win at all costs sort of thing but you know, so I think I think you know, Portland's good, but if we're looking at a complete basketball game, that Utah game is about as good as it gets for the Thunder. Uh, now here's something. Okay, now we did sweep Utah last year. Obviously, didn't work for us. I I kind of wonder. Do you think this actually looking at the series? How much do you think you can glean off of it from you know off off the regular season series with Utah into the playoffs? Because I I think this is a different team than you know what we saw last year. We kind of talked about it a bit uh, in, a, in a previous pod. I said that we were probably a better match than we were in the past. But how do you think? How do you think this team goes? Looks going forward against a potential, you know, like a Utah Jazz. Well, it's it's definitely different than last year because whenever you look at us versus Utah, we do not have the same weakness that we had last year. And that last year was the matchup on Carmelo Anthony. They would just pass around the ball and bully Carmelo. Whenever you watch this Utah game, are they abusing us on any kind of weakness of ours? Not really. The only thing that really gets them is we are really, really scared of Rudy Gobert. It shows you how valuable he is and how he should have been an all-star. Last year's Defensive Player of the Year, who didn't even play for much of the season, because as soon as you go in there, Russell's drive game, gone. Steven Mm -hmm. Adams, he played really well last night. But if he had gone against a guy that wasn't seven foot two and Rudy Gobert, he would have had a career night because he played amazing. That dude in the middle, he does a lot. But this is different. We're winning versus them, or we match up well. I can't find a weakness of ours that they exploit. With Terrence Ferguson playing the way he is on um, Donovan Mitchell, our only weakness is if we get a bunch of fouls, which we've been doing recently, and we have to play Abdul Nader out there, or Dennis Schroeder on him. But if we can't, if we maintain our roster and don't get into foul trouble we'll be just fine yeah i agree and i think i think the biggest move against you know a team like utah is that you don't have to stick ray felton out there to give westbrook relief having Dennis Schroeder, having a very very 
high quality point guard out there intruder like that that changes the entire dynamic for Oklahoma City this year I, I, I know Carmelo yeah he was a huge liability but I think I think I think the elimination of both Melo and you know having the addition of Schroeder and, and it's huge we, we can't you can't praise what Presti did in the offseason nearly enough yeah I I see my problem with Ray Felton this year is he didn't play at all Everyone kind of liked him on the bench just because he didn't play, and everyone likes how he's the thick daddy. He goes in one game, and then he just goes off. So everyone's saying, this guy needs minutes. No, he doesn't. I said, no. so two, two years two years ago, before we got Raymond Felton, we had Samaj Kristen. The jump from Samaj Kristen to Ray Felton was huge. We thought Ray Felton was a god, you know? Yes. We, he was so good. He really wasn't because we just never had a guy to relieve Westbrook, and he was just decent. Then the jump from Ray to Dennis, at the beginning of the year, we thought, oh, my God, like, Ray is horrible. We don't need to play Ray. Dennis kind of fell off a little bit, and then Ray had his big game. People are saying, oh, we need to play Ray. No, Ray does not play into the way that we want to play the game. Dennis absolutely does. We want to play with speed. We want to push it. We don't want to play ISO ball as much as we can. And ISO Ray is fun to watch when he's making it, when he's making those push shots. But the majority of time, if you give him at his age a lot of minutes – He's going to be bricking, and that's what you've seen more recently. And he's not that good of a defender either. No. Ray needs to stay on the bench. Dennis needs to play his minutes. If Dennis continues to play well like he has on offense, we'll be good, even though he does have his defensive liabilities. If there's one guy that the Jazz are going to exploit like they did with Carmelo, it's going to be Schroeder. Um, but good enough, the way does Jazz play. Uh, they Donovan Mitchell is usually their two guard, not their one. So we can always put Schroeder over on the one as a on a Ricky Rubio, or a, or an Exum or a Raul Nato. Yeah, yeah. It, I mean, Schroeder's versatility changes the game. Um, I will say this: if we if Donovan wants to put more thick guys in, why don't why don't we see more Burton? I need more Burton. I yeah. think that's that's been that that's been awful losing more Burton minutes in favor of Felton. I think. Yeah, I think. Well, I I would like to see when it comes down to the end of the season where every game's every game right now is a must win. But whenever it comes down to like the nitty gritty at the end where these games feel like playoff games are so serious, uh, how he divides up his minutes. Billy is famous for throwing out people in games, even though he knows it's a bad lineup, just to see just to experiment and get his data. I think that's kind of what he was doing with Ray since that big game. Just to see, hey, could this work? He had one lineup, and I forget what game it was. I think it was Minnesota. It pissed me off so much where he had all three of the point guards in. I hate double point guard lineups. They're horrible. The plus-minus numbers, they're horrible. They're horrible. On defense, we can't play on defense because Russ, Russ has taken a backseat since the All-Star break on defense, except for Utah. He played good in Utah. But other than that, the dude has not put enough effort. And whenever you have Dennis Schroeder and Ray Felton, you're both bad on defense, and you have a guy who's slacking like um, Russell, we can't guard the other team's guards. They're just going to roast us every time. It's it's See, Josh Okoge should not be getting open threes in the corner just because Russell is in no man's land. That happened way too much. Yeah. I, that's been one of the most mystifying things about the Thunder to me this season is how we are so good with half the division – with Portland and Utah sweeping both of them, but we we can't get a win against Minnesota. Well, in a lesser sense, Denver. The, the Minnesota thing is baffling. 
it's defense, and I guarantee you it's defense. The Minnesota thing is they Carl Anthony Towns and Andrew Wiggins just playing big games. But the way we're winning versus Portland and Utah is because Russ shows up and plays defense in those games. I promise you to watch for the rest next couple games and just don't watch the ball. It's really easy as a basketball fan to watch the ball, but watch how Russ plays on his off-ball defense. I'm not talking about slanting and trying to get the rebounds. I'm talking about this dude. You're always supposed to keep an eye on your man, eye on the ball. This dude will completely turn his back to the to his guys guarding, and he'll be in no man's land. And it's like, what is going through this guy's head? He'll do that in those in the games where he's taking a mental break. But in games versus Utah and Portland, he can't take a mental break because those are the guys nipping at their heels when it comes down to playoff spots, and he has to be in fire mode at all times. Yeah, it's and, – and I think I agree with – I, I agree with you on that because you can just look at the personnel. Donovan Mitchell for Utah, uh, Lillard for Portland, and then, you know, on – I mean, I guess who, – who's Minnesota starting now at point guard? Okogie? Teague. What's that? Oh, yeah, Teague. Teague. Okogie plays short shooting guard. That's right. Teague is, like – okay, whatever, like Westbrook doesn't have beef against him. And with Denver, it's – shoot, who does Denver start at point guard? I, I, what Jamal, is that? Jamal Murray. Yeah, I, I thought he was – I always thought Murray was a shooting guard. Huh. They've got, they've got uh, Barton and uh, uh, the other kid that's starting to do well for him right now. I'm blanking on his name. He's doing really well for him. I can't think of it. I'll look it up real quick. But, uh, yeah, Murray's taken over the point guard role, and they put Gary Harris on the bench, which is weird to me. But God, Yeah, that is weird because Gary Harris, I feel like, always does well against us. Now, this, this Denver, this Denver team is really, uh, really interesting because I think they could be the next big, te- big thing in the West, but they're, they're, just, they're not getting that kind of same hype that you would really think a team this good would be. I think, I think, I think with some of these teams – you know, that you see coming up, they kind of have a bit of a, you know, people don't really trust them until they get playoff experience. But I, I think this Denver team is to be seriously feared. Yeah, I, it's Malik Beasley that I kind of think of. Um, oh. it, it, he's kind of like a guy who's done really well for them this season and kind of just hit under the radar. My thing with Denver, I respect their game. I think Jokic is an exceptional player. But I will always say this when it comes down to playoff basketball, you need – a wing, a guy who can put the ball in his hands and make plays when the times get tough. I know Jokic is a special brand of center that he can be that guy, but I need to see a star other than Jokic. And if that's Murray, he can step up. I just don't know if Murray's at that place yet. A lot of people are going to say that Denver is the team that's setting up to lose in the first round. Like, like the... Uh, Let's say the Atlanta Hawks back in the day when they were the first seed, you know, when they when they struggled to get out of the East, even though they were one of the best teams and they they had everyone saw it. Al Horford, Paul Millsap, Jeff Teague, they um, like across the board, they had just average good players. That works in the regular season because you can if one guy's doing bad, everyone can really kind of pick up for you. But it is extreme. The minutes constrict in the playoffs and it say these are your seven, eight core guys. We need you. And that's where stars come out. And that's where I'm a little bit um, iffy on Denver going into the playoffs. Yeah, because they're, they're going to need a lot of, I mean, asking, you know, you know, Will Barton, asking, I mean, asking some of these guys to really put up and, you know, just take the ball in their hands and score, it's an issue. And because, because what, what Denver really thrives on is finding the open guy at times. 
And that just won't happen. And that just doesn't happen in the playoffs. It, you know, the defense tightens up guys like, for example, in your Atlanta, uh, kind of, um, comparison guys like Corver just aren't, aren't open, you know, and it, it really, like you said, it's a different style of play and it's going to be interesting to see how Denver, you know, how Denver really adjusts to that because I think a lot of people, a lot of teams are kind of taking them lightly at times, but I don't know. It'll be interesting. I, I kind of see, I kind of see the Jokic, uh, Jokic is kind of like a, like a, like a prime Marcus Saul right now in a way. I would definitely agree. Uh, it's it's just I mean you can't really relate Memphis as much to them, but um, yeah it's definitely a very very good. I I think Jokic is probably better than Prime Marcus Gasol, but um, you gotta take into account how good a Mar- Marcus Gasol was a Defensive Player of the Year. That, that that dude we forget that he was a Defensive Player of the Year. Yeah, um, that that's a good thing. Uh, but I. I'm kind of hopping on the bandwagon. I feel like a lot of people say this, though, about Denver not being a playoff team. I just need to wait and see. But at the two seed, I think they'll be good because I'm just not too impressed with San Antonio or the Clippers in a playoff series either. So give me the um, the two-three matchup. I feel pretty confident that three would win, whether that be Houston, Oklahoma City, Portland, whoever. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. And the thing I forget about Denver – is they still? They, I mean, I still need to see if this is going to be a thing. But they still have Michael Porter Jr. You know, kind of waiting in the wings. You know, rehabbing. If he turns out to be like, let's just say, seventy-five percent of his potential, that's a dangerous, dangerous player for them. Absolutely. I, I think, um, I would kind of look at him similar to Harry Giles for the Kings. Um, he was the number one player coming out of high school as well and had an injury where it really impacted him and he couldn't play. And then in Sacramento, he just got into kind of playing minutes, but he just he doesn't really look like that guy he was in high school if you look at the tape. That's kind of how I view Michael Porter. Um, he's a high-volume kind of guy. He wants to be the star, and especially with neck issues, um, if he can't produce at a high level, even though he wants to be that kind of guy, I don't see him being able to take a role in Denver. Uh, I'm kind of skeptical on it. Yeah, I mean, you, you have to be kind of skeptical with a guy who, you know, not only is in, has had injury issues, but th- that, like you said, that particular injury with the neck, it's, it's tricky. As we've kind of seen with Mark, uh, Markeith Morris, you know, he's questionable for the game tomorrow, um, you know, with, you know, kind of neck soreness. Is this something to be kind of concerned about going going, you know, long term? Uh, if he can actually you know get consistent minutes and whatnot, because I've actually been kind of impressed with how he's played. Yeah, I uh, I don't think we should be too concerned about it. Um, even if he misses the next couple games, which I wouldn't be surprised with, we're not going to rush back. Like I said earlier with Porter, uh, neck injuries are serious things. Even if this is just your cervical neuropraxia, just stinger, whiplash kind of thing. If he feels some discomfort, rest is the key to this. There's no operation really with it. Um, you just need to just rest on it and get it better. And uh, he'll be back to new by the playoffs at the most. He should be back at 100% like we saw him before in probably two games, I bet. Yeah, for sure. And just want to fit in a little uh, obligatory I don't really know if Andre Robertson's coming back. Just had to shove that in just to make sure. Yeah, it's it's really pessimistic that we haven't heard any status to this point. 
and it's crazy how fast the season is coming up on us. Like, guys, listen, we've got 15 games left. This season ends a little earlier than most. Like, April, I think, was it 9th or something is our last game? April 8th or something? Uh, 9th is the last home game. 10th is uh, the last road game in Milwaukee. Yeah, like, that's that's in no time, guys. That's that's in less than a month. So, it's it's picking up. I guess we, if we're on in, injuries talk, I said I was going to talk about this later. Why I'm kind of not buying the bait on the Paul George rumors uh, recently came out. Um, one reporter, I really don't know who he is, but he had a blue check mark next to him, said that he heard from a source that there is a tear in Paul George's rotator cuff. Well, let me tell you something about tears and rotator cuffs. He wouldn't be playing. He'd be out if he had a tear in his rotator cuff. And I, my suspicion on it is um, he probably kind of took the medical wording and kind of ran with it too much strains and uh pulls depending on there's three grades little tiny ligaments and everything will tear if it's a it's a higher degree of strain but it recovers on its time it's not like you tear your acl and it recovers with time that's an operation kind of thing these are like the little kind of things i think a little tiny strain you had some a little bit of like tiny bit of structural damage but overall as an injury it wasn't structural because he didn't tear a rotator cuff so i'm not buying that the man has made progressions where he took his kinetic take off last game he's starting to look better he's aggressive he's gotten hit in that shoulder multiple times he's not been taken out for it he's not even really grimaced much i think that was just a shoulder sprain that should have been a two-week injury and he came back a little early on it yeah, I think some of that has to do with the urgency of you know, the timing of where the season is at. I think he would still be out if this was, say, you know, December. Um, and, you know, where we, are in this, where we are in the standings and how we, you know, ha- kind of had that bit of a bad run. Uh, I think that's really kind of a lot of the reason why he's back. But I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't panic too much on George, especially, especially like you mentioned, that mentality. Uh, he's not exactly been very sheepish with it. If it was, like, serious like a serious strain i don't think you'd see him go inside as much as he has yeah the whole thing is like oh he's shooting bad that definitely means his his shoulders hurt uh one if your shoulder is even minorly hurt it's going to kill your shooting stroke shooting is something that is his life that is his career and you work on your muscle memory so hard to make it where no matter how contested you are you're your shot should go in, correct? If yeah. One little thing that is a constant variable changes, your whole muscle memory goes to crap. And so yeah. that's why your your shooting stroke is off. And it compounds on itself. But whenever it doesn't go, you feel like you have to mentally compensate. When you mentally compensate, you've screwed up your whole routine as a whole. Whenever he gets back into when he's good and healthy and he's good mentally after that and he's got himself right, that's whenever you'll see the old Paul George. And we're just in that process right now. You are lying if you haven't seen a progression in the way he's played from the game since he's returned from injury. So I have nothing to worry about. I think that it could impact his game for the rest of the year, definitely, if he doesn't come back from it. But I don't think this is something we need to worry about ending his regular season or and they're just hiding or it's something they come out afterward and say, Paul George played all this time on a torn road. I, I'm, not, I'm not buying that just yet. Exactly, and like, look at last year where he kind of had a bit of a weird tweak in his shoulder. And I, I can't even I can't remember which shoulder it was. Elbow, right? He had a, he had a bunch of fluid in his elbow. Yeah, that's it. Was, it was the elbow? 
yeah. So it, I don't think it, I don't think it's that serious. I, I'm with you. Um, let's see. Moving on. Uh, let's let's do. We want to talk a little bit about the foul disparity kind of going on. You know, Paul George getting yeah. out about that. Yeah, I think the Clippers game definitely was the worst with that. But um, I'll do one one little quick take on it, and I feel like you've probably got more to say than I do on this. But my thing is, no matter what, uh, I'm not gonna buy on the refs are playing it one way. There's gonna be some games where you're gonna have the fouls go your way, and there's gonna be some where you don't. And then maybe as a whole season, maybe you don't get the fouls go your way for the majority of them. That's just like flipping a coin, heads and tails, and you got head 70 times on accident, you know? It's refs are very professional and they're constant, and I think they do a, well, a great job, but there's going to be games where they screw up. That's human error, and that's what makes it so great is refs with human errors. If we turn it com- complete, we have robots refing. That's not going to be any fun. Exactly. It's, it's going to cost you some games, and we saw it, and we're going to be outraged because of it. But whenever the games that we win and we got the the fouls and everything, you won't hear it from us. But if you go over to the other like Reddit boards and everything, you'll hear it over there. There's always another side of the story. But the times where the fouls went our way this season, we have no idea when they were and what games. You can't tell me you t- Bobby. Can you tell me one game where all the fouls went our way and we got lucky and we won because of it? Well, that okay. I don't think that game really even, that really even happens. You know, in general in sports. Yeah, I'm, but I'm, in a, even yeah. in the scale, was there a game this year where you can set, say that the fouls went our way and it helped us win? Well, okay, the only thing that recently comes to mind is the Portland one, but even then, you know, with with the Paul George elbow, but even then there was a lot of yeah. debate on on Twitter from Thunder fans saying the officiating was bad. Yeah. Paul George, Paul George even said he was going to complain until he realized he got to the line twenty times. Yeah, I, I, I I'm not buying it. I just think it's part of the game. So, I mean, what, what do you think? Well, I, I agree with you. I, I think it is part of the game. And I think a lot of what happened in this particular situation with the Clippers is, is just kind of the personnel of the Clippers. Both Patrick Beverly and Danilo Gallinari are very, they're very kind of shitty guys. I don't know. Like, Bever, I think a lot of it, in some ways, on the Beverly end. Beverly, obviously, as everyone knows, plays aggressive defense, but doesn't really get in foul trouble a ton. I think that probably annoyed some of our guys a bit, and that's why they sounded off of, like, we don't get these sort of preferential calls. But he's also good. Beverly's really good at kind of drawing fouls, you know. Uh, same with same with Gallinari. I feel like we saw a lot of situations where Gallinari and Beverly would kind of, I don't know, slip their way into a couple fouls here and there. And I, th- I think it was just a weird situation. I think the Thunder kind of honestly should have excuse me, switch their game up a bit, maybe maybe take the gas off a little bit. Um, the fact is they just should... You, you don't have three players fouling out and they're in the position to foul, really. Yes. I don't... So, yeah, what I'm trying to say is basically, yeah, no, I don't think it's a thing. Calm down. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I mean... The thing is, another thing, going, going back, just made me think about it, I'll do a quick point on Paul George returning... That dude had to go against two of the biggest nemesis, Thunder nemesis in, on the defense side, and Joe Ingles and Patrick Beverly. That's not fun to come back from. But on the other side of that, what I'm saying is, yes, Patrick Beverly is really good. Those, while maybe we can call out that one offensive foul on Paul George to foul him out, oh, they shouldn't have called that. And all. Well, there's, there, that's going to happen. 
there's calls like that in the second quarter of the game, and they got to call it consistently the same in the fourth and same in the second. So I'm, I'm not too mad about that. Yeah, it's like setting a strike zone, kind of. I mean, look at Jeremy Grant. How often does he do those kind of things that Patrick Beverly does? Jeremy Grant is so good at absorbing contact and taking it into his chest and then flying back with it. And that's what Beverly did. It, it, it's, it's, it, yes, it, some people consider it a flop, but it's really good as like where you put yourself perf- like purposely off balance to where that contact they're like, oh, what that guy? It was like you know the Russell Westbrook thing. That's that's different, but like Jokic flew out. But whenever you purposefully are like saying, okay, I'm about to get this charge, you put your kind of body off and you let yourself absorb that contact and you fly back. Watch Jeremy Grant. He does it all the time on drives. That's exactly what he did. So if you're gonna argue about that Patrick Beverly call, you gotta argue about those Jeremy Grant calls. Yeah, he he is really good at that. Now that I think about it, he he, it's almost like scripted how he how he takes those charges you know he, he bends in a certain way you think you think about it before you look well you're guarding the guy and you look in his eyes like if he's driving hard on me i dare you i'm just gonna take the contact and charge because the good thing about it and that's why so many people are doing it it's not flopping because they're dr- dropping their shoulder on you paul george dropped his shoulder whether you guys liked it or not and if you get the call it's a turnover but if you don't it's a no call and oh, well, you disrupted him because they got to go over you. And then if they call a block, it's, it's a side-out foul. So, of course, it's a, it's a great gamble. Yeah, exactly. Well, I think we should take a quick look forward into what we have coming up and uh, make our little predictions and uh, you know, see how, how, how we'll do. We'll go until – so let's, let's go until the 21st, so through the Nick Collison return game. Um, Bobby, I'm going to have to break this right now to you of uh, – ridiculous crazy uh the browns got odell beckham yes oh my god okay we're shifting this to all 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 purpose talk here uh browns got obj oh my god oh my god dude that is gonna be the funnest team to watch in the nfl next year oh the browns Browns are cowherd haters he said he was gonna get traded Uh uh-oh colin cowherd Oh God, he's he. Poor Coward's about to have just a. He's going to have an issue here. Uh, poor oh, guy. I gotta watch the herd in the morning. I don't know what to do. I gotta watch the <laughs> pro day and the herd at the same time. You you gotta have the multiple. Uh, gotta have the multiple screens going. Yeah, dude, this that that is wild. That is wild. Just as an aside, but we'll get back to our schedule thing because this is thunder. But all in yes. all, all OU fans are going crazy right now. Oh yeah, because our our official team, our official NFL team just got OBJ. That's incredible! Wow. Okay, got to pivot back. This is off the wagon. We're we're like we're now off off the wagon. Like we, <laughs> yes. We've we've gone we've got off topic on our own off topic show. We already talked about the Seattle SuperSonics and NBA Live for a while. Yeah, we we had <laughs> had a little Ridenour talk. It was great. I love it. <laughs> Loving this flexibility. Um, <laughs> anyways, um, yeah, let's take a look at our let's take a look at this upcoming schedule. Um, <laughs> we got Brooklyn and Oklahoma City. Uh, what's your call on that? I got the. Uh, I, I think we win in that one. We're talking about uh, probably line hasn't been released as far as I see. I bet you it's probably about a five and a half OKC. Um, I think since we won that Utah game, we got a fire under us. I think we're gonna have a lot of momentum. Brooklyn's playing really well, don't get me wrong. I think it's going to be a great game. 
Uh, I got us winning by about eight. I think it'll be a great game. I think uh, a little bonus prediction here. I think Jared Allen has a good game. Um, Browns or Browns. Uh, Brooklyn played us really tough last last time we ran into them, uh, but I think the Thunder get the win. Uh, up next, uh, Paul George returns to Indiana. Uh, second night of a back-to-back emotional night all, as usual. I kind of think the Pacers are losing a little steam, though. I'm gonna give. I'm gonna go with the, the Thunder on a rare second night of a back-to-back win. Yeah, and especially going from home to away, that's tough. And especially in those, whenever you're on that back end, you need to find something to boost you up. And that would be Paul George returning to Indiana. I mean, he's gonna he's gonna come out, and I think he'll break his shooting stroke. Then I think he's gonna play really well. He played really well versus Indiana in all of his games since then. I think maybe one one game he didn't play the best, but the, out of the two out of the three games, he's played pretty well versus Indiana. And I think that everyone's gonna want to come around Paul and get him a win in Indiana. I laughed so hard at that Game of Thrones uh, NBA team reference you see that earlier on the athletic oh i missed it oh uh, so they put all the nba teams in they said what character they are in game of thrones and they get and they said indiana is podrick because he's irrelevant but he's got the best d in the nba <laughs> <laughs> yes podrick and his oh man podrick can't wield this he can't really wield a sword but he can wield other things i tell you I love part of that. But yeah, I think Paul George comes out, he gets himself a 40 piece, makes some three pointers. I don't think he'll do I think he'll kind of have an like a 20 point game in Brooklyn, but um probably go like, you know, like two for six on threes. I think he'll come out in Indiana. And I think people um want to play for him. And then we'll get ourselves a nice two day rest before we play Gold State at home. I think KD should play. I think he's kind of questionable right now for their game either tonight or tomorrow night. Right? Isn't he? Kind of hurt right now. Yeah, I've heard he's questionable for the Houston game with a ankle yeah. sprain. Yeah, uh, but they—I don't know. It, it's interesting. I think a lot of that ha- like depends on how they do against the Rockets. If they, because I mean, you saw Curry have this. Oh, we're going to come out make a statement, you know. And I don't know. I, I don't really. If I, I could see if this Houston game goes wrong. If this Houston game wrong, goes wrong for Golden State, I could see him you know, trying to show up a little harder you know, on Saturday. But I don't know. Honestly, look, this is our only shot at Golden State in the regular season. So I think, I think people are going to be fired up for it. I think the energy at the peak is going to be good. I just have a weird feeling that we're going to lose it. I, I think we're going to lose too. I think if we get – if I think, okay, my answer could change by the way I watch Brooklyn. If it goes the way I predicted, where we kind of play funky in Brooklyn, but we still win by eight, and offensive-wise, in Indiana, Paul George shows out. I I need to see two complete games versus Brooklyn and Indiana where offensive side is clicking and defensive side is holding it down to where I want to say Golden State um, will lose. But I'm not not buying. Yeah, no, I I agree. I just, I don't know. This seems like a weird feeling that, I don't know. Sometimes these Golden State games can, you know, bring you back down to earth, and it seems like one of them. I don't know. I I, I want to be very. I want to be incredibly wrong, but you know. Yeah. I don't know. Golden State's had trouble bringing uh, fire to the games, as you saw, which which I thought was completely ridiculous. Clay Thompson saying, "Hey, Golden State fans, y'all are pretty much spoiled. Y'all need to come and cheer for us hard every single game because we need y'all, dude. You get paid like 
everyone gets paid like 20 plus million on on the Warriors. That's plenty of motivation to come out and win. You don't need your crowd to do well. That's a plus. When the crowd does well, that's a plus. And that they do they scream a lot whenever you play well. They don't scream a lot when you're losing to Phoenix. So Golden State is going to come out with fire because they like playing with KD. They like to do, they try to win it for him. Steph absolutely is going to come out and play. Clay, he does it in OKC all the time. They're going to yeah. be on their A game. I'm just saying we have a chance if we play our A game, but we haven't been playing it yet. I don't even think that Utah game was our A game. I think that was a B game. And yeah. I'll give it a B just because the defense was awesome. The offense was not quite there. Schroeder should not be your leading scorer. I'll Agreed. I'll say this, though. I'm, I'm, I will say this. This, might, this is kind of a happy thought. This might be the last time we ever have to see this Golden State team in Oklahoma City with, with Kevin Durant. So I'm going to knock on wood real quick. That, that is kind of a happy and a sad thought because we'd want to see him in the playoffs. Yes, unless they lost earlier. Yes, but. exactly. There's, there's a couple sides of that. But, yeah, do you want, do you want to hit up, uh, I guess, Toronto – or do we want to leave that? Or Miami? I mean, we got Miami still. Yeah, we got yeah Miami. Dwayne Wade, you know, his last game in Oklahoma City. Uh, any thoughts for any any? Do you want to give any sentiment for you know someone who nabbed a ch- uh, title from us? You know, I think, good... I think I think we blow him out. I think we win by twenty plus. Agreed. Do you think we give Dwayne Wade a tribute video? No. We gave Kobe one. Yeah, Kobe isn't Dwayne Wade. Dwayne Wade isn't Kobe. <laughs> Agreed. No, I agree. I agree. I, I, I would be kind of pissed if they actually did because I don't know. You, you just, you don't, you don't show reverence to people who take a title from you. And, you know, Dwayne Wade's one of them. So, yeah, I think, I think we work them. But the real question with that game is does Russell give the jersey or Paul George? I think it's obvious that it's going to be Paul George. I don't think Russell, Russell's going to hide in the wall after. Russell isn't the jer- jersey giving type of guy. Yeah. No, he would he would rather cut off his own arm before giving Dwayne Wade that jersey. Paul George will, so I, I can I can foresee Paul George jersey. I think PG already has one of his from the road game. I don't know. He might, uh, really? might double yeah, he might double up. So that's why that's the only reason why I'm like, yeah, I don't know. But I don't mm. really know who else Dwayne Wade would do it. Yeah, if I had to bet if if I had to bet it would be no jersey exchange. Yeah. Okay, if he already has it, it's, I, it's Russell ain't gonna do it. Is what it is. Nah, he, he watch. I want to see Dwayne Wade walking around with his jersey off, trying to find Westbrook, but Westbrook's already gone. Or I, I don't know. I, I sad Dwayne Wade would be kind of cool. All right, last game uh, of the stretch: Toronto and Oklahoma City. Nick Collison night. Uh, people people talk a lot about you know Durant possibly being back, and he probably will be back. They also got uh, Serge Ibaka in the building. Yes, that's going to – I mean, I guess his three-game suspension, he, he might have to get a loan for his plane flight. He's losing, what, 440000 in just gameplay. That was not very avoclasse of him. Yeah. But uh, I think I think this game – I don't think it's going to be like a, a blowout. I think Toronto is going to be doing really well, and I think we're going to be doing really well. I think this is going to be your stereotypical ESPN goes down to the wire kind of close game, and I think we'll win a close one. I, I like us versus Toronto. Toronto's been playing really weird recently. They've been they've been dropping games, but um, you can never expect um, with them if Kawhi's even going to play. Um, I'm looking up right now. I'm seeing if this is a back to back for him because that would be key. But I think Toronto is kind of in this comfortable spot um, with their playoff seed, and I don't. I think that they they can't get the one from uh, 
Milwaukee. Really, I don't think that's realistic to them. That there is a chance that they won't be having their pedal up to the metal. That's going to be a lot with these games recently. Uh, you'll see a lot of teams that just kind of give it up and give it to you. This game versus us is not a back-to-back. They play in New York and fly, get one day off, and come to um, OKC. So I foresee um, Kawhi playing. I'm going to go with my initial close game, win by about three. Yeah, I think this is a game that the crowd wins in a way. I, I, I don't want to... I don't really fully believe, you know, that crowds win NBA games. But if, if there was one that, you know, the energy kind of took it over the top, I think it would be this one. Uh, I think I think it's going to be bumping for Nick Collis tonight. We've never had a jersey retirement. People are going to be hyped for that. And it's a must win. Every game down the stretch is a must win. And, you know, I, I don't know. I think, it's, I think the energy is going to be a top five, like I've mentioned, top five ever regular season home game for the Thunder. Um, I think it's going to be a cool moment. I think the Thunder pull out the win. Um, yeah. So that gives us – Oh yeah. well, after this point, we'll only have uh, 10 more games left. That's kind of yeah. remarkable. And the good part about that is uh, I think that Toronto game's the Wednesday right before March Madness. So that's going to be an awesome basketball night, and then you're going to wake up, and then boom, you got some even better basketball. I can practically hear the uh, CBS or uh, the CBS theme going on right now in my head. It's like, yep. Madness pod Madness pod coming soon. It's going to be an all timer. I we, we we've had plans with this for a while. We're getting Blake back on. It's going to be great. It's going to be. We're going to be at each other's throats trying to pick this bracket. I'm pretty pumped. The one thing I'll say about that as a teaser beforehand, I'm just absolutely, absolutely heartbroken that my Cinderella team, Lipscomb, is probably not going to make it. They were upset in their conference tournament, and uh, that would have made the pod a lot more fun. Yes, because we honestly, we probably would have taken Lipscomb to the Final Four. Speaking of Lipscomb, have you seen their uh, Twitter campaign they've been on right now? Well, no, what? I haven't seen it. Lipscomb's Twitter account keeps tweeting out uh, their resume versus a bunch of other random bubbles. Like they're yeah. talking, they're talking, they're talking crap on Indiana, and it, it's funny because all these angry Indiana fans are in their mentions, being like, "You have like the two hundred twentieth like strength of schedule." Good, good. Keep on doing this, Lipscomb. Speaking of Indiana fans, I got in my mentions the other day, out of nowhere. I I, I tweeted about Kelvin Sampson and. Do we forgive him or not? Because people have been like, kind of like, oh, look at how good Kelvin's doing. I'm happy for him. And all the Indiana fans were like, we don't like, we hate Kelvin Sampson. What What are you talking about? We all we don't forgive him. I'm like, we we weren't talking about you, Indiana. Like, oh, where did you even? Come on. I, I my thing is like that. I mean, he screwed up at two different schools for the exact same thing. I just, ugh, I don't know. Just kind of still have a sour, sour taste in my mouth from all the texting scandals, which, in retrospect, that was oh, that was like nothing. Yeah, that's that's comp- so. He just like like we always say in college basketball, everyone's cheating. Just people are going to get caught. Uh, we really can't go really in on these people. Kelvin's a good guy. I mean, did you see what he said about Eddie Sutton whenever they played OSU and everything? How he needs to be in the College Basketball Hall of Fame. They yeah. have A. Smith. And he's just—he's a genuine guy. So I mean, I like—I like him. Yeah, the Eddie—the Eddie thing was really cool, and does give me 
but it, it does make me feel happy about you know our original basketball love. You know the old, older you Sooners. Shout out Top Dog, we miss you. Come back. Um, yeah. So March Madness pod coming soon. It is going to be wild. Keep an eye out for that. Don't know which feed he'll put it on. If that's going to be off the wagon or schooner, but maybe maybe both. Why not? Um, yeah. Well, is there any last thoughts you want to have you have about this Thunder team that we have not discussed? I know. I just I've said this all year. Is his defense is the theme? Speed and D. That's what we are seeing for OU football, and uh, we're about to see it with the Thunder. And it's kind of funny. And I laughed about that the other night. And I was thinking about. It, I was like, Speed D. Isn't that what the Thunder needs? And that's what the OU defense. If we get back to this uh, identity, the way we played in Utah, and we play offensively like we played in the past games, we're going to be a scary team. But the problem is, can you see both of those happen? Is it an effort thing? That is also something to be seen. So let's, we got to watch and we got a lot to learn. Agreed. Yeah, it's, it's going to be an interesting stretch down here. And, you know, I, I don't think – I think this is this – is, where you can really glean information on how this team's going to be towards the playoffs. A lot of great competition. Uh, it's going to be fun. I'm, I'm really excited to look forward to, you know, I mean, this stretch is great for NBA, for March, for, you know, the NCAA March Madness thing. It's just, it's, I'm, I can't wait. I can't wait. Basically until June, we're watching the best basketball in the world. I am pumped. We're, we're, we're about to start it. So yeah, that's all I got to say. Um, Thanks to everyone who listened. This was always good. This is always a good time. Jameson, it's always getting good to get back to the original duo. Always a fun time. Yeah, I think we might need to talk to Ford about uh, cut. <laughs> cut what? Cutting him. Oh yes, yeah. Ford might. Ha- Ford, Ford might get fired. Oh. If Ford, if Ford doesn't mention this conversation before the next pod, I think we'll have to cut him. That would yes. show true allegiance if he listens to us without him. Oh yeah, that's true. Yeah, he he doesn't he doesn't even have the excuse of I already listened to it when I was yeah ooh forged you know you're on the hot seat you're on the hot seat buddy so we'll see how that we'll see how that turns out don't and if just I'm just saying like subscribe five stars to the boys you know hit us up we have not gotten any new reviews since Swifty Dangles come on we will call you out guys we will call you out it'll be great. Um, yeah, we should do we should do a, a spring football pod soon too. Probably get that done. I don't really know what we talk about, but pre spring game. There's a lot to talk about. Yeah, pre pre spring game, post spring game, blah blah blah. It'll be great. We just need need something on the old schooner pod feed. I miss talking football. And let me tell you something: the Cruton Corner pre spring game and post spring game is going to be fun. Exactly. We yeah, we'll, we'll fire up. The, the corner has been hot. It's been hot in the corner. It's been boiling. I haven't been able to unleash all of my information on y'all. And there's so much. I don't even know how to bring all of y'all up to date on 2020 stuff. It's a chore trying to learn all these 2020 guys. Might have to, let's, hey, we might have to bring, bring back the regular scooter then. Why not? Screw yeah. it. Screw it. Let's do it. Just do a little, little, little quick takes, little 15, 20-minute pods right at you. That would be great. All right. That's enough talking about the schedule. Thank you so much for listening. Like I said, give us a like, you know, like, subscribe, five stars. You can find us on Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, all over now. We are on top of it. Uh, so for me and Jameson, thank you so much for listening to Off the Wagon. We will see you next week after uh, Nick Carlson night and give you our reviews of all that. So 
yeah talk to you soon and uh thunder up